and love is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry with a mission to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching and encouraging, strengthening and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. This program is sponsored by Living Water Church, located at 69 Industrial Road in Wainscott, under the leadership of Pastor Joe Kelly and his lovely wife, Margaret Kelly. Sunday services begin at 10 a.m., with a pre-service prayer meeting at 9.30. Pastor Joe invites you to come and be refreshed. For more information, please call 631-537-2120. That's 631-537-2120. Our special guest today is Dr. Gary Chapman, the renowned author of the New York Times best-selling modern classic, The Five Love Languages a book that tells us how to express heartfelt commitment to your spouse. Dr. Chapman's book has sold over 8 million copies and has been translated into 49 languages. Dr. Chapman has a list of impressive degrees from very impressive schools and universities and has been directly involved in real-life family counseling for over 30 years. And his book, The Five Love Languages, is a practical guide to navigating one's marriage with emotional intelligence by recognizing the ways that one feels and gives love and finding a spouse's love language. Dr. Chapman helps couples in identifying and understanding and speaking their spouse's primary love language. Marriage should be based on love, right? But does it seem as though you and your spouse are speaking two different languages? He sends you flowers when what you really want is time to talk. She gives you a hug when what you really need is a home-cooked meal. The problem isn't your love. It's your love language. After so many decades of marital counseling, Dr. Chapman has found that there are five main love languages that address emotional love between spouses. And a spouse should discover which one is the primary language and the most important in filling your spouse's love tank, so to speak. Sandy, can you tell us what those five love languages are? Yes. The five love languages are quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, physical touch. By learning the five love languages, you and your spouse will discover your unique languages and learn practical ways in truly loving each other. Dr. Chapman gives us secrets to love that last. He explains how we can meet each other's deep emotional need to feel loved. If we can learn that, and choose to do it, that's important, then the love we share will be exciting beyond anything we ever felt when we were infatuated. As you discover your own love language and that of your spouse, you will understand yourself better and hold a priceless advantage in the quest for love that lasts. That's what we're all looking for a lifetime, by helping each other feel truly and deeply loved. 
you will be giving a gift that never fades away. Well, that sounds so tremendous, Sandy. Uh, let's listen in to your talk with Dr. Chapman. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Thank you so much for honoring us with your presence uh, on Faith FM, welcome. reaching Eastern Long Island, including the Hamptons. Great. As you probably know, we do marriage seminars and workshops, and Mm -hmm. one of our seminar segments is expressions of love. Mm -hmm. And I have to confess, I tell personal stories based on the wisdom from your five languages of love. So I am especially grateful to you for that book. Would you tell us why you decided to write the five love languages you know sandy i had been uh counseling probably for 15 years before i wrote that book and i had i was hearing the same stories over and over and over in my counseling office where one of them would say i feel like they don't love me and the other one would say i don't understand that i do this and this and this why don't they feel love so i knew there was a pattern to all of this but I didn't know what it was. So what I did, I went through 12 years of notes that I made when I was counseling people and asked myself the question, when someone said in my office, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me, what did they want? What were they complaining about? And their answers fell into five categories, and I later called them the five love languages. So I started using that in my counseling, you know, just sharing the idea that the husband and wife very likely has a different love language And if you want to communicate emotionally, you have to learn to speak their language. And so when I shared that in counseling, couples got it, they went home, they tried it, and it changed the whole emotional climate of the marriage. And then I started using it in small groups, and the same thing happened. So probably five years after that, I, uh, I thought, you know, if I could put this in a book and write it in the language of the common person, leave out all the psychological jargon, I could help a lot of people that I would never have time to see in my office. So that's what motivated me to write the book, and it's been exciting to see how it's been used to help so many people connect and sometimes reconnect in the emotional climate of the marriage. Right. You talk about our love tanks. Could you explain that, please, what a love tank is? Yeah, I use that concept, uh, you know, like a gasoline tank in a car. When yes. it's empty, the car's not going anywhere, okay? Right. <laughs> and I like to picture inside of us that there's an emotional love tank. And when the love tank is empty, that is when you don't feel loved by your spouse, the world begins to look pretty dark. But when you do feel loved, when the love tank is full, life is beautiful. And you can solve the normal conflicts of life far better, far easier if the love tank is full. When the love tank is empty, all you can see are the negative things. And the conflicts seem so big that you feel like you can never solve them. But when you feel loved, you can solve conflicts and you can navigate the tough waters of life and you can have a great marriage. So I think this is one of the most fundamental issues in having a healthy marriage. I agree. Can you tell us a little about the in-love experience that you talk about in your book, and how does it affect people? 
Well, it's an absolutely incredibly wonderful experience. Let's face it, emotion. Right. It's a super, super high. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I say it starts off with a little tingle, and yeah. the tingles kind of motivate you to go out and have a hamburger together. And uh, every time you have a hamburger, it gets tinglier and tinglier. And, and finally, one night, one of you says, you know, I, I think I could love you. <laughs> yeah. And if they, if they say, what would be so bad about that? Wow, now you've got it. And so the next time the moon is right, you're likely to say the words, I love you. And they say, I love you too. Right. It is a super, super high. You feel like you have met the one person that's going to make you happy forever. It's very difficult to see their flaws. In your mind, they're perfect. Now, your mother can see their flaws. <laughs> your mother will say, honey, have you considered? They haven't had a steady job in five years. <laughs> but you can't, you don't see that. You know, that makes no right. difference to you. But, but here's the reality, uh, Sandy. This is what a lot of people don't know. The average lifespan of the obsession is two years. Uh -huh. Some a little longer, some a little less. Average two years and we come down off the high. Now, let's be glad we come down off the high, because if we didn't, you'd have to close down business, industry, church, <laughs> education. You can't get anything done when you're in love, you know? Being yeah, in love I is know. short of being insane. Yeah, it was like the comic book uh, you see in the comic books. Wow, bang, pow. That's the way it was when I looked at Walter in his uniform, his Navy uh, uniform absolutely. years ago. Right. <laughs> but, you know, we do come down off the high, and that's when... We remember what our mother said, yeah. and we start telling ourselves, you know, mother was right, he's lazy, or whatever, you know, yeah. and we start seeing things about them we don't like, and then we try to discuss them, and we get into arguments, and we don't know how to solve the arguments, and after a while, we're thinking, I've made a big mistake, I've married the wrong person. Well, the reality is you married a human. Right. Humans think differently, and humans feel differently. Everybody has conflicts. But if you don't learn how to make the transition from the in-love experience to what I'm calling the much more intentional stage of a love relationship, and that is learning how to speak each other's love language, and you can keep emotional warmth alive if you speak the right language. But if you don't, if you're not aware of this, and you come down off the high, then you really start courting the idea that I've made a mistake, I should right. not have gotten into this marriage, and mm -hmm. that's when people get the tingles for somebody else, right. and the whole thing starts over again. And they right. leave one person and go to the other person. Right. And what I'm saying is, you know, we don't have to do that because you you, you bail ship here and go over there where you have a new tingle. Mm. It has a two-year lifespan. You'll come down off the high, and then you'll be back in the real world over there. So yeah. let's face the real world where you are, and let's learn how to love each other in a meaningful way that keeps emotional love alive. Right. We understand that there are dialects in languages. What are some types of dialects of words of affirmation? Well, you know, it's very similar, Sandy, to spoken language. Everyone grows up speaking a language with a dialect. I grew up, for example, speaking English Southern style, okay? Right. <laughs> but everyone grows up speaking a language with a dialect. And there are a lot of dialects in the English language. And there's also a lot of dialects in the five love languages. So words of affirmation, for example, that might involve uh, 
what we would call words of praise, in which you're praising them for something they did. Yeah. You know, really, really appreciate this meal. Man, mm-hmm. this is wonderful. This is better than Mama did, you know? Yes. I mean, <laughs> giving them words of praise for something they've done. But another dialect is to focus on their personality. One of the things that I really like about you is you are so optimistic. I know that sometimes you go beyond reality, but but I like it. I like the fact that when I share something, you're thinking about how can we make it work rather than giving me ten reasons why it won't work. I really appreciate that about your personality. That's another dialect. Uh Or uh, you can give encouraging words. Uh, you know that your spouse is grappling with something, trying to do something that they think might be meaningful, and you come alongside and say, you know, I really think you could do a great job with that, and I just want to encourage you to give it a shot, and let's see what happens. I'm with you on this. Right. So you give them the courage to step out to do something that they are thinking that they ought to do, but they're not quite sure if they've got the courage to do it. So encouragement is another uh, dialect. So there are many, many ways of speaking words of affirmation. Yes. And I'm just calling those different ways. I'm calling them dialects. Dialects. Let's say that your spouse's love language is quality time. What are some tips for learning to listen in conversations? Well, that's huge for people who uh, who are not good listeners. And yeah. Let's face it, that's, that's many of us. But here are some clues that will help you be a good listener. First of all, if your spouse begins to talk with you, put the TV on mute. At least <laughs> right. put it on mute, you know. Yes. And that says to them, I want to hear what you have to say. I am listening to you. Yeah. So you turn yourself away from the computer and, and, and the TV and whatever, and you give them your undivided attention. Uh, looking into their eyes as they talk is another way to be a good listener. Uh-huh. And that communicates to them, nothing is more important in my life right now than hearing what you have to say. And you lock in on their eyes. Another way is to, is to nod your head, uh, saying yes, by the way you're motioning your head, you're nodding your uh-huh. head, I'm with you, I'm hearing you. Uh, they get the sense that you're listening to them. Uh, if they get into something really serious that you think uh, you might you might forget it if you don't write it down, just say, excuse me, honey, I've got to get some paper. I want to take some notes on what you're saying. Oh, that's a so really good idea. Yeah. 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 See, and that says, wow, yes. taking notes on what I say. That wow. is a wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing is... Uh, don't don't be fiddling with a pencil or a pen or anything else. Uh-huh. I mean, unless you are writing, right. don't don't be you know don't be fidgeting with your hands, and uh, and don't don't lean back and look at the ceiling <laughs> while they're talking. You know that that says I'm getting bored with this. You know, I guess no, so. No. Yeah, keep keep eye contact, and then certainly. Don't walk out of the room when they're talking. Right. I mean, that's the greatest insult you can do is walk out of the room when someone's talking. Uh-huh. So those are, those are things that will help you be a good listener. Well, thank you so much for that. Now, which do you think is the easiest to learn of the love languages? It depends on who you are and what your love language is. Uh, for example, typically the language, uh, your love language is going to be the easiest one for you. 
Yeah. If words of affirmation make you feel loved, it's probably going to be easy for you to give words of affirmation to other people. If a physical touch is what makes you feel loved, it probably will be easy for you to reach out and touch other people. So your own love language is probably the easiest one for you to speak. Now, conversely, the most difficult one for you to speak is going to be your number five. That is the one that's least important to you. And if you find out that the one that's least important to you is most important to your spouse, then you've got a learning curve. But the good news is you can learn to speak any of these love languages, even if you didn't receive them as a child. Once you understand how important it is to your spouse, you can learn how to speak these languages. Yes, we can't use that as an excuse that, oh, I didn't grow up that way, being affectionate or whatever. We can always learn. That's right. How do stereotypes affect the ability to speak acts of service? Well, I think sometimes, you know, by acts of service, of course, we're talking about such things as cooking meals, washing dishes, vacuuming floors, doing laundry, mowing grass, washing cars, walking the dog, changing the baby's diaper. I mean, you know, doing something for your spouse that you know they would like. Well, when it comes to those things, there are some uh, men, for example, who have the idea men don't wash dishes, right? you know, and, and that was the stereotype. They grew up, you know, the wife, the mother, the daughter did yeah. the dishes, and so men don't do dishes, yeah. or men don't vacuum floors, right. you know, or sometimes women grew up with the idea that women don't wash cars, or women don't right. mow grass, or anything. so we can be stereotyped on both sides. And And what I'm saying is, as an adult, we have to be able to look back and say, okay, this is what I was taught as a child, but I'm an adult now. And I'm learning new things. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning that if I vacuum the floor for my wife, because that's her love language, work, acts of service, I'm going to have a happy woman. So I'm going to break yes. the stereotype. I don't care what other men do. I'm going to vacuum floors because I want to live with a happy woman. <laughs> yes. So, you know, we have to go against the stereotype sometimes if we find out that our spouse's love language is acts of service and the things they want us to do may not fit the mold of the stereotype. It's time to break the mold and learn how to love your spouse. Right. What do you mean when you say all touches are not created equal? And what do you mean when you say physical touch can make or break a relationship? Yeah. Well, we've long known that uh, physical touch is a powerful communicator. Right. uh, Emotionally. That's why we pick up babies, for example, and hold them and kiss them and cuddle them. And long before the baby understands the meaning of the word love, the baby feels love by physical touch. So in a marriage, we're talking about such things as holding hands and kissing and embracing and and the whole sexual part of the marriage and arm around the shoulder or driving down the road. You put your hand on their leg, just, you know, touches, affirming touches. And the reason I say that not all touches are created equal, what might uh, a touch that might be meaningful to one person will not necessarily be meaningful to another person. For example, uh, husbands may be in a habit of giving people high fives, okay? Right. So at work, at work they're always giving people high fives right. whenever something good happens. So they come home, and something happens good with their wife. She does something that's really good, and he he gives her a high five. And, right. and she, you know, uh, I mean, what, what are you doing? I mean, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, that touch just doesn't communicate to her. Right. It's just not meaningful to her. Yes. Uh, but, you know, putting your hand on your shoulder while you pour her a cup of coffee right. may be very meaningful to her. So what we have to find out with all these languages is what 
what dialects within that particular language are meaningful to my spouse because I don't want to irritate them. I want to love them. Right. So you want to find out what would make them feel loved. And so we have to learn which touches are meaningful to them and which touches are not meaningful to them. Right. You do believe love is a choice, don't you? I do, Sandy. Uh-huh. I think we make that choice every single day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we choose an attitude of I'm in this marriage to enrich your life. Right. How can I enrich your life? That's an attitude. Yes. Love is an attitude. But once we choose that attitude, then we're looking for ways to enrich their lives. And speaking their love language is a primary way of enriching them. And so you take you choose the attitude of love. And you reach out with the behavior that communicates to them, and you touch them very deeply, and they sense your love. And what happens? You stimulate warm feelings inside of them toward you, and they're far more likely to reach out to you in love because you reached out to them. You know, love stimulates love. Uh-huh. And so many couples, Sandy, sit around, sit, sit around waiting for the other person to take the initiative. You know, if they would just treat me better, then I would treat them better. No, love says, I am going to initiate this. I'm going to enrich your life. And when you begin to do that in the right language, you stimulate something inside of them that makes them want to love you. Mm -hmm. You do believe that emotional love can be reborn in a marriage, don't you? I do, Sandy, and I've seen it happen with couples who have been married for 30 and 40 years. Uh I remember a couple who said to me, we've been married for 30 years, but to be honest with you, the last 20 have been miserable. Yeah. In fact, if you want to know the truth, the man said, we haven't taken a vacation together in 20 years. Yeah. Because we don't like to be with each other. Uh He said, we live in the same house, and we're civil to each other, but we just live separate lives. Right. And there's so many couples like that. They're living as roommates you know, in the house. Right. But they have no intimacy in the relationship. Uh-huh. But that man said to me, a friend of mine gave me a copy of your book on the five love languages, and my first thought was, I don't want to read another book. <laughs> said, <laughs> right. But I picked it up and started reading it about 9 o'clock one night, yeah. and I didn't put it down until I finished it. He said it was 3 a.m. in the morning. Right. And I finished your book, and I thought, man, if I had known this 20 years ago, my marriage would have been totally different. Yeah. So he said, I gave the book to my wife and asked her to read it and tell me what she thought. And he said, two weeks later, she came back and said, I read that book. Uh-huh. And uh, he said, I asked her, what did you think about it? And she said, well, to be honest, I thought if we had had that book 20 years ago, our marriage would have been totally different. Yeah. And he said, that's the same thought I had. And he uh-huh. said, he asked her, what do you, do you think it would help us if we tried now? And she said, we don't have anything to lose. Right. And he said, does that mean you're, you're willing? And she said, yeah, I'm willing yeah, to try this. Yeah. He said, we started speaking each other's language. We took the quiz first in the back of the book. Yeah. And we started speaking each other's language. And he said, Dr. Chapman, within two months, I had love feelings for her again. Oh, and she said, yeah. you know, if anyone had told me, Dr. Chapman, that I would ever have love feelings for him again, I would have said it can't happen. It's too, yeah. been gone on too long. It's been too dead, you know, for too long. Uh-huh. She said, but I do. I, I love him again. Uh-huh. So, yes, emotional love can be reborn in a marriage. Uh, but we, it doesn't happen if you just sit around waiting for it to happen. Right. It happens when you make the choice 
to begin to speak the other person's love language. Right. Along with Dr. Jennifer Thomas, you have a new book that was introduced a few months ago, When Sorry Isn't Enough. Would you tell us a little about it? Yeah, what we're doing with that book, and it was really uh, Dr. Thomas's idea. She said, Gary, I've used your love language book for years in my counseling uh-huh. and it's helped so many people. She said, but I believe people also have an apology language. Uh-huh. And I said, what do you mean by that? And she said, well, I think that what one person considers to be an apology is not what another person considers to be an apology. Mm-hmm. People are missing each other in their apologies. Right. And as soon as she said it, I resonated with it. Because they've been in my office for years arguing over whether or not one of them apologized. Yeah, you know? yeah. She would say, well, I would I would forgive him if he would just apologize. Right. And he would say, I did apologize. And she'd say, you didn't apologize. <laughs> right. So I said to Dr. Thomas, I said, why don't we do some research and see if this is true? So we asked thousands of people two questions. First question, when you apologize, what do you typically say or do? Mm-hmm. Second question. When someone apologizes to you, what do you want to hear them say or do? Uh-huh. And their answers fell into five categories. So we call them the five apology languages. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we wrote the book, When Sorry is Not Enough. Because, you know, some people feel like, you know, all they know to do is just say, I'm sorry. Right. You know, I'm sorry. Well, that comes across pretty lame for right. some people. And uh, the reality is that people did grow up with different ideas about what it means to apologize. And if you don't speak an apology in their language, then in their mind, you're not sincere or you really haven't apologized. Right. So what we're trying to do in that book is help people discover this reality and learn how to apologize in a way that's going to be meaningful to the other person so that it makes it easier for them to forgive you. Right. So it's a really powerful book. Well, um Thank you so much for filling us in on that. And I want to thank you so very much again for honoring us with your presence. It means so much to us. And we hope you'll visit us again, and maybe we can discuss some of your other books that we'd love to talk about, such as Hope for the Separated, Anger, Desperate Marriages, The Marriage You've Always Wanted. Would you ever do that, please? Sure, I'll do it again. All right. And let me encourage you in what you're doing, because I think these kind of shows, which deal with really nitty-gritty stuff in relationships, Uh can really help the listeners. So you keep up the good work, and I'll get with you again another time. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Chapman. So we'll just say until then, God bless you. Thank you, Sandy. Great to be with you. All right. Bye for now. Uh, Gary Chapman's website is www.garychapman.org, and there you can find a wealth of information that will truly bless your marriage. Uh, We also want to let you know that we give marriage seminars. Uh, You can contact us at lovesavers1, that's number one, at aol.com. Our website is www.lovesaversministry.com. And uh, we're available, and uh, we just want to serve the Lord, and we believe that God heals marriages and God strengthens marriages. Sandy, what is the uh, marriage manna for today? Love never fails. Think about that now till next time, and don't forget to turn in next week for our interview with Dr. Bill Harley to discuss his new book, He Wins, She Wins, Learning the Art of Marital Negotiation. 
Until then, goodbye and God bless. Is for the way you look at me. Oh, it's for the only one I see. V is very, very extraordinary. E is even more than anyone that you adore can love.